0: Good morning, friends. I'm getting this online a little bit late. I was preaching at Word of Life in Lincoln, Nebraska this past Sunday. You can actually watch the service and see the sermon live if you want to, to go to Word of Life, Lincoln, Nebraska. It's on their Facebook page. My message was Make a Difference. It's based on Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. And this is our text. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here that I still have. Well, this passage begins with an enormous challenge. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And here we find three key words that unlock the meaning. <clears throat> the first is the word only, which does not even appear in some versions. But the Greek text begins with the word monos, which means only or sometimes could be so and so what so paul means to say is that whether he's set free or dies in jail there's just one thing he wants the philippians to know the second word is worthy which literally means to even the beam it refers to balancing the scales so that both sides are even To live worthy of the gospel means to live so that your life gives proper weight to all that God has done for you. Eugene Peterson, in his translation, The Message, translates it this way. Live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. The third word is conduct, which means to live as a citizen of heaven. To paraphrase an old question, perhaps you've heard it before. If you were arrested for being a citizen of heaven... Would there be enough evidence to convict you? True Christians live in such a way that no one can deny their true identity. So here are three observations about this first phrase of verse 27. One, salvation to be real must change the way we live. And two, unbelievers draw conclusions about Jesus by the way we live. And three, in an increasingly pagan climate, we can make it a huge impact by the way we live. Now, this is very important in the 21st century because the surrounding culture has become increasingly hostile to biblical truth. There's almost no middle ground on any issue, whether it be moral, spiritual, political, cultural, racial, or educational. This means that only those people who know what they believe and are willing to express it will get a hearing in the marketplace of ideas. When Paul wrote these words, he had no idea if he'd ever get out of jail in Rome. He therefore must assume that he might never visit Philippi or the Philippians again. This is why this passage deserves our close attention. It is the just one thing Paul wanted to make clear in case he never saw them in person again. Now, in this passage, we find four ways that you and I can impact our world for Jesus. Here's impact number one, and that is to stand without division. Stand firm in one spirit is what it says in verse 27. Now, that phrase stand firm describes a Roman military formation in which the soldiers stood shoulder to shoulder and back to back with their spears up and their uh, spears out or with their shields up and their spears outward. It was the strongest possible defensive position. Now, impacting the world begins as Christ's followers stand together in one spirit. It's kind of like a coach saying we win together and we lose together. In other words, we are not to divide, and yet we do, over trivial issues. That's why in this past pandemic, I feel like I have repeated this phrase over and over, particularly on Facebook, after I read some some rather nasty comments made about everybody from politicians on down, or maybe that's politicians on up. And I, I just remind people, and I remind myself continually, we are not called to be condemners. We are called to be gospelers. I say that because, friends, there, there are already too many barriers in the body of Christ. It's race and skin color and geography and worship styles and modes of baptism and denominational affiliation. And to make matters worse, we often spend way too much time squabbling over secondary issues and not enough time teaching the biblical narrative. That's, this scandal hinders the work of God. So when will we understand that unity makes the gospel beautiful? Jesus promised in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 that all men will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. I often wonder, do we really grasp how the world views a divided church? When we say God loves you, unbelievers often hear it through the static of our intramural mudslinging. The message that comes through is, well, God loves you, but we hate each other. It's no wonder that they don't want what we have. Here's impact number two, strive without compromise. Paul said, contending is one man for the faith of the gospel. Now, I want you to note two key words in this phrase. The word contending comes from the Greek, sonotholeo, from which we get the English words athlete and athletic. It's kind of like a Nebraska Cornhusker running back straining to get the ball across the goal, that we are to exert maximum effort for the sake of the gospel in this world. This is Paul's offensive game plan, but I also want you to notice the phrase, the faith. Now, when you see the definite article, the, before the word faith, it almost always refers to the objective side of faith, not our inner belief, like I believe in Jesus, but rather the things in which we believe. I mean, what do you believe about Jesus? The faith of the gospel encompasses that great body of Christian truth that includes God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and human nature and salvation and salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, by scripture alone. But these words together, I put these words together, and this is what they mean. We are to unitedly join hearts and hands, using all resources to spread the gospel by every means possible to every person possible. Now, let me suggest what this implies. Well, it implies, first of all, that there's a faith we must know and believe. Second, that faith is worth striving for. And third, that faith must not be compromised. And fourth, that faith is the basis of our unity. And fifth, that faith should be preached in all the world. This is a call for nothing less than aggressive Christianity. We need this because the world is full of Christians in retreat. We have retreated when we ought to advance. And too many believers have been intimidated and have left the battlefield to the enemy. As much as anything, this explains the moral crisis we're experiencing in America today. But let's be honest, the moral crisis has been around ever since Adam and Eve walked out of the Garden of Eden. But what I'm saying is the other side just wins way too many battles simply because we often surrender without a fight. God's word to the church is always, go forward. And as far as I know, God never told the people to retreat. I mean, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel in Mark 16:15. He calls us, to go and make disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19. And what are the first two letters of the word gospel? Well, G-O, go. Now, reading the biblical narrative, I know that we do not see first century Christians wringing their hands in despair and saying, look what the world has come to. Instead, they declare, look what has come to the world. And if we do not go, God may bring them to us. Well, friends, it has never been easy to be a Christ follower, that's for sure. It was not then, it is now. It is not now. Blessed are they who are so excited about Jesus that they simply cannot keep quiet about it. Here's fact number three. Speak without fear. Paul writes again, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Now, I love the sober realism of these words. Paul doesn't sugarcoat the truth. He says, you're going to be opposed. Speak up anyway. Some people aren't going to like your message. Don't let that stop you. Sooner or later, you'll run into strong opposition. So what? Just keep preaching Jesus. Keep on being a gospeler. You know, if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate us too. John 15:18 tells us that. They crucified him. I mean, can we expect anything better? I mean, this verse contains a truth you may never have considered before. It's this, opposition to the gospel reveals spiritual reality. That is the sign Paul talks about in verse 28. When people oppose you for your Christian testimony, you may be sure of two things. First of all, that you're going to heaven. And second, if they don't change their ways, they're going to hell. Now, don't be put off by the starkness of those words. I mean, that's precisely the meaning of verse 28. Genuine believers are proved genuine by the quality of their opposition. I'll be honest with you, if no one ever criticizes or opposes you, if you never make waves because of your faith, if everyone is happy-clappy with your, your Christian faith all the time, then maybe something is wrong either with your faith or with the people you hang around with. I mean, Let, this, let me state this principle this way. True believers annoy the world because they stand as a rebuke to everything the world stands for. You know, when we say Jesus is the only way, they're going to call us arrogant. If we declare you must be born again, someone's sure to call us a fanatic. If you say the Bible's the word of God, someone else will think you're an ignorant hillbilly, or as we say in Missouri, an Ozark American. Now, if you say, I know I'm going to heaven, you'll be accused of thinking you're better than everyone else. And so it goes, we basically, we annoy the world precisely because we are citizens of heaven, And we live by totally different principles. Paul's advice is simple. Don't be frightened. And and the Greek word for frightened refers to a horse spooked by the movement uh, in the bushes. The horse kind of rears up and runs away. So don't be surprised when someone criticizes your faith. It happens to all of us sooner or later. When trouble comes, we need calm courage and an unconquerable spirit. We are to speak without fear, knowing that some people will not like what we have to say. But remember that it is better to be the persecuted than the persecutor, and this is one instance when it is better to receive than to give. Now Jesus pronounced the blessing upon those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness in the in the Sermon on the Mount, and that and uh, in Matthew five, and that's the kind of per, that kind of persecution is a sign that you're a genuine believer. Now this is the final impact. It's number four: sacrifice without shame. Paul says again, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Now, I hope you notice the two gifts in these verses. First of all, there's the gift of faith, not only to believe in him. This is the gift that enables us to believe in Jesus in the first place. And without this gift from the Lord, we would never be saved in the first place. But then there is the gift that well, let's let's be honest, we're not all excited about getting. It's called the gift of suffering. It says also to suffer for him. And like I said, this is a gift, but it's a gift no one wants. Now, friends, would you like to change your world for Jesus? Would you like to be a credit to the gospel? Well, here is the just one thing on Paul's heart we need to remember. You are a citizen of heaven. Live like it. You can impact your world if you will. Well, do four things. Stand without division, strive without compromise, speak without fear, sacrifice without shame. May God help all of us to make a difference for Jesus by the way that we live today, tomorrow, and forever. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.